0: What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: Greetings. We're back with your monthly Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network. The Entrepreneur Exchange is all about startups and small businesses with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, why can some ideas be successful businesses and some ideas not so much? We'll talk about a new Amazon.com product and ask the question, do we ever need to get off our couches again? Today's topic, developing and manufacturing a new product is hard. We've got Doug Auer with the Custom Design Group Business Solutions Division, a company that helps entrepreneurs with product development and sourcing and get some advice on what you need to do before you go to market. Finally, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. Greetings. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by co-host Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology
2: at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory. Gary, how is it going? Jeff, it's going great. This is why I like North Carolina. Beautiful day in late October, and it's just perfect out feels like fall it feels like fall but it's not too cool not too cool not too hot just right just right that'd be Mm -hmm. north carolina oh very good
1: well we're we're you know this is a good time to be in the the foothills of north carolina we we know just as as part of our chamber of commerce activities we encourage everyone to come visit come to hickory come to Asheville, come to everywhere in between now is a great time to to be
2: visiting and, and seeing what's out here so outside we have a tornado every once in a while.
1: We did have a a very modest tornado uh, visit us earlier this week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what what are we talking about? It's awful here. So That gives some more excitement. Gives some more excitement. So I also want to welcome our guest. Our guest uh, is Doug Auer, who is a founding partner of Custom Design Group, a company that... uh, uh, designs and customizes apparel. Works with uh, entrepreneurs to help them develop products. Helps with sourcing strategies, marketing strategies. Doug, how are you doing today?
0: We're doing very well, Jeff. Gary, thank you very much for the opportunity. I look forward to speaking with you. We're glad tell, you're here. Thank you. Tell us,
1: tell us, well, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, Custom Design Group and, and what uh, what you guys got going on.
0: Thank you. So, as you said, Custom Design Group is an embellisher of uh, of mostly apparel, but we'll do almost any product. Think of it as uh, your brand, we put it on a product. Uh, We have customized, uh, some companies have come to us with uh, sales promotional items like a Yeti cooler, and we'll customize that with their brand name on it, uh, local uh, here in town. But most of what we do are team uniforms, uh, athletic apparel, uh, a lot of corporate identity work, things, things of that nature, a lot of apparel which is either screen-printed, sublimated, embroidered. You get the idea.
1: That sounds good. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Yes. Yeah, And you, you, you've brought a bevy of products here that for all sure of our is. listeners to see. Well, <laughs> hey, that's not good for our podcast, is it?
0: I, I, I still felt like I needed to have some tangible items. So in addition to the, you know, the core piece of Custom Design Group, we have an uh, 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 area that I work in, which is sort of, uh, I would call it a business incubator. That's, ex- that's essentially what I do. And some of this is a legacy from the company that we came from when, we, when uh, the four of us bought the business out earlier this year from our parent, and there were these projects that people had come to them with, and they come to them with the idea of, I want, essentially it's someone with a, a notion. Everybody has their great idea. Uh, not a lot of people know how to get that great idea to market, so what they, they would come to us, and uh, we would help them uh, get to market. And if, if you've got a minute, I'll just kind of give you a, I know this is the visual part that people can't see, but just to kind of give you a range, I have with me here a patented orthotic sock, one of my clients. I have a uh, kind of an enhanced version of spike ball called crush ball. So that's, that's this guy here. I, we really need a TV camera. <laughs> uh, I have a cust- uh, client making a snowboard cover. That's what this one is here. So you get some sense of diversity. I have an author who wrote a children's book about, uh, uh, about sort of the scenario of uh, the tooth fairy coming and taking your tooth. And so this you know we- product, I don't make this product, but uh, it, it's manifested in a bunch of uh, shirts mm-hmm. that we do. And I have some pillowcases Kind of to give you that idea from art in the book, so Even that gives you Christmas a range.
2: present ideas for the grandchildren.
0: Yeah, any of this would work in that. Well, maybe not the orthotic sock, but <laughs> some uh, <laughs> of so right. the others. So, the
2: book. yeah, we we
1: did do a pretty big investigative piece on the tooth fairy a few podcasts ago. We <laughs> sort of blew that one
0: out of the water. So you're coming to this one a little bit late. Hush, hush on that. Okay. Don't don't ruin the sales. Uh, we also uh, just do in general sort of. Uh, a, a local company, which I think I can talk about now, uh, HMS—excuse uh, me, HSM Solutions—has mm-hmm. launched a uh, a consumer division called Parks Health Products. In fact, they are just now returning from their first introductory. To market trade show, which was uh, this week in Atlanta, we did a lot of development with them on certain sort of pieces that help launch whether it 's apparel whether it 's uh, parts of their mattress cover so we we try to be pretty diverse in in helping get to market
1: oh good well well we're going we 're going to get to some of the, uh, the uh, advice on getting to market and getting through that product development process but we always like to, to talk a little bit about an article that we've come across uh, in, our, in our travels and, and something that came across my desk just just this week in that Amazon has introduced a new product or, or I guess it's a combination product service called Amazon Key, which is a special lock that their Amazon Prime customers can buy that uh allows them to enter your home and make deliveries, so I guess you don't you don't have it out on your on your steps there and it and they also include a camera so that, so I guess it gives you the comfort that when mr Amazon delivery guys or girl is in your home uh making deliveries, they're not uh going through your underwear drawer or or, or you know uh, or whatever harassing your dog or 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 whatnot so There was actually an interesting article, and I say article, it was really an op-ed piece in the Washington Post, uh, sort of questioning whether Amazon has gone too far in that, uh, you know, is this a sort of intrusive product or service that uh, is not going to be well-received? And, and I, there was a quote in the piece, which I liked, and, and I'm sure people—I'm sure that most of our listeners, are regular listeners, sort of know our demographics, that they might, we sort of skew you know, a little bit older. And, uh, but the quote was uh, that uh, too many companies just are coming up with uh, products that are things that I, a 25-year-old man, wish I could still get my mother to do for me. Yeah, So, so. so I, I just sort of found that amusing, and they talked about uh, some other products. One was called Bodega, which was a high-end vending machine, which they call pantry boxes, selling non-perishable convenience items in high-density areas such as college dorms. Didn't work. Didn't work. They found that actually people liked human interaction. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because
2: so. I thought that might work since being a— Somebody didn't want to leave a dorm, but they actually say people want to talk to people. So it, uh, it just, when they go to the store.
1: So, so Gary and Doug, it just sort of made me think about uh, you know there are a lot of business ideas out there, you know, and and sort of going, um, you know, are we promoting convenience too far?
2: Uh, are we just old? You know, are we? I old. I was. Uh, it was a little sketchy for me thinking I'm going to let somebody come into my uh, house give them free reign, although we did talk about maybe some alternatives, but I guess I am the old. Of course, I, I'm a late adapter to new technology, even though once I get that new technology, I really like it. Maybe this will grow on me, or they're going to give me enough uh, reasons that it's safe. But it was a little worrisome to me at first blush. Well, you know,
1: and, and, and I, I I wonder about the new technology and that uh, as... as Millennials are becoming a, the more powerful uh, group uh, to be selling to. Millennials, will, millennials have grown up with social media, with putting all sorts of inf personal information about themselves out there, which some of us older folks uh, are are more wary of. Yes, exactly, uh, so, more careful. So, you know, I, I I sort of go back to business ideas and try to 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 think through. Is something going to be unique? Is it going to solve a problem or provide uh, uh, meets a, a need that's not being currently met? And and I'm sort of scratching my head, saying, is this is this a good thing or bad thing? Doug, do you have any any observations that you'd like to to share on this one?
0: So you know, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, I, I came to North Carolina from upstate New York. It snowed a lot, and it was always gray and wet and cold. And uh, the house, uh, my first house that I owned had a legitimate mudroom. Only thing it was was a mudroom. You walked into the mudroom, you took your boots off, and then you unlocked from the mudroom into the house. So you would think that the solution here would be that builders would would start incorporating some kind of package delivery box in the house, right? That you would access that the UPS guy or the FedEx guy would have some sort of code or access to so that to, they're not coming into the house, I think that's a little intrusive. But you would think there'd be some adaptation to the front of the house where it would be a box delivery, some sort of place. To there put you go. that's a
2: new business being,
0: what, coming what, out of a new service.
1: Probably the Amazon <laughs> construction service will yeah, be coming to right. a, a town near you soon. Hmm. Or, uh, as you say that, perhaps there's a, a product idea where you just you know forget attaching it to the house. Maybe it's just a separate. Uh, Unit or something mm-hmm. that can be locked or unlocked. You know, your your dog house for packages. I don't know. The, package house. Your package house. Yes. You know, so
0: something along those lines. Yeah. There. Yeah. we hopefully one of our listeners will be entrepreneurial enough and be able to come up with the idea. And then, and then please see me. That's right. <laughs> that's so, right. Yeah,
1: that's we, well. We yeah. In the business, we call that a segue, Doug. So um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to. So anyway, that, that's. I just I, I found that interesting. Amazon key, you know, let our listeners weigh in and and, and give us their feedback on good thing, bad thing. You know, they're maybe, pushing the envelope. They're pushing the envelope, but that's how they've gotten to where they there are. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly. You know, right. perhaps uh, those of us sitting around here shouldn't be telling Amazon how to run their business.
2: I'm not saying that. It's just, okay. I'm you know I'm probably not their immediate target market. All right, because I'm a little wary. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, let's
1: we're talking about developing products we're talking about developing businesses and that's an area where Doug and his company uh, has some uh, experience and expertise so so doug let's talk a little bit about when when uh, you work with clients they come to you with an with an idea for for a product but Often, and this has been my experience as well, getting that initial product made is a challenge. Uh, you're starting with an idea. Most manufacturers, when you come to them, they're happy to make thousands of them, but making that first one and putting in that product development time is is, uh, is a real challenge. So, uh, you know, w- talk to us a little bit about the challenges that, that entrepreneur or startups uh, face when they're looking to develop their initial product.
0: Yeah, I think the number one uh, piece of advice is be clear about what it is you're trying to bring to market and stay with that. Be clear, stay on course. During the development process, almost every uh, effort i 've been involved with uh, get some kind of drift to it, some kind of leakage off to the side. they see something, they get distracted by something, and uh, we we feel that the marketplace has to weigh in during the development process so Short of spending a lot of money on focus groups, which most people don 't have, we encourage get your product to market get get it somewhere, understand that it 's probably not going to look like that after phase two. But we really feel it's important to get consumer uh, response. And the biggest issue we have with most of our clients is they want to keep perfecting it and perfecting it and perfecting it before they get to market. And our argument is get close enough, go to market, let's get the feedback, let's find out if our assumptions were right.
1: If you wait for your product to be perfect, you could be waiting a long time.
0: That is one of the biggest issues you have is that the the visionary behind the product knows very clearly in their head what it looks like and what it's supposed to be, and then you're confronted by the reality that, well, material didn't work quite like that mm-hmm. or there was something we didn't anticipate. And we say, let's get the thing to market and see what happens.
1: Well, and, and the sort of folks that come to you um, – can, can you talk a little bit about their their business experience? And that you know, sometimes I find that the folks with the product ideas they they might be they might have incredible ideas, but they just might not have the skill set to turn them into a business.
0: Right, because none of these none of these folks that we work with this is not their job. They have some other job. This is an idea they they came up with a hobby, a sport, so, something that struck them. And they have almost or have zero experience in actually bringing a product to market. And um, I, I would say right off the bat, I don't deal in services, and that's totally separate. I actually deal with physical things that mm-hmm. people uh, end up end up uh, putting on the market and buying. So the the challenge is that they tend not to have any background in it whatsoever, and and. You know, I could name a thousand products that I never think about this microphone sitting in front of me. What did it really take to make that uh, mm-hmm. to happen i don't I don't know and and y- you know you and I know that from the sock industry. They're actually little steps, and there are certain things that happen that preclude other things from happening, and you you work through those so um, you know I think again, in terms of challenges there's that lack of background and the other big issue is they there isn't the wherewithal. A lot of people have an idea, but they don't have the wherewithal, and it is going to require some capital to make this happen.
1: So when you say wherewithal, is that generally money or is that uh, time, energy,
0: diligence? Well, it's, it's all of that, but the money buys it if you don't have it. In other words, <laughs> w- what we like to do is, is, is identify that the person who comes to us has this idea about a product. And they may have that strength, they may have certain strengths with it, but there may not be a finance person, or there may not be an organization person, or there may not be whatever else they need to be getting, a marketing, a logo, a brand, you can buy all that. So the answer at the end of the day is, do they have the resources to sort of capitalize the effort? And it requires some
1: so so uh, as you said we're we're talking today about physical products, not services right. right and whether it be local or really national, we hear a lot about the importance of manufacturing to our local economy here in North Carolina. We hear about it on a national stage where you know we want to bring those jobs back from wherever they went um, but but uh when an entrepreneur or startup wants to work with a manufacturer, I, I got to think that there are always some issues with that. You know, f- number one, finding uh, a lot of manufacturers don't want to work with entrepreneurs and startups. So, you know, how do you, right. how do you identify and, and locate potential sources if somebody comes to you for a, for, for a product? Idea? Well,
0: that's, that's a great point. So it, 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 one thing you need to understand is where are they going to be in the market relative to the community of that product? If they're going to be at the high end, if there's value-add, if there's feature benefit, then you have a greater chance of coming to the United States and getting it made. If it's more commodity-oriented, you need to be offshore in all likelihood because they're really good at that. The challenge that you have is that, to your point, it's hard to get product development done in the USA. It's disruptive. They don't like taking machines offline to do that. uh, whatever your development is. And they also recognize it's never right out of the box. Never. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a time when it's been even close to it. The typical scenarios, it's sort of right. Then the visionary starts drifting, and then you have a couple of rounds that aren't that good, and then you snap them back, and about six months later, six to 12 months later, you might get reasonably close, go to market and see what happens. But
1: I wanted to sell it next month. Yeah. Christmas is coming, Doug. Yeah, Come that, on.
0: That almost never, never is going to well, happen. So it gets back to your wherewithal. I mean, people need to have
2: money or something yeah. to get yes. them through that process because it doesn't happen overnight.
0: Oh, it absolutely doesn't happen overnight. So the, I, I, I want to qualify first, where is this product going to sit in the market? If it's commodity, I'm going to go to China or I'm going to go somewhere. If it's if there's value add, I'm going to stay in the United States if I can. I'd I prefer to because I'm closer to it.
1: Yeah, you know, and and one of the the implications there, or uh, you, I, I, when you when you say commodity versus value add, uh, you know, you're you're really talking about a pricing and positioning type issue there. What what about you know if I'm if I'm making products that are more difficult or or heavy to ship. Yeah, you know, I mean I, I would think that I'm gonna I'm gonna get hit pretty hard on transportation costs mm-hmm. and is that how does that figure into to your thought process?
0: Well I think it's I think it's important that maybe not in the first phase, but at some point the, in, the visionary, the inventor, the person who's come up with this idea has to be thinking about if I'm going to be in the market and they have some sense of what this is going to be, it's a million-dollar proposition or it's a $10 million proposition, I have to have inventory, I have to have production, I have to have freight management, logistics, those pieces. And so that may end up answering where my production is. It may not answer where my product development is. Hmm. I may still product development in one market, use that market for fill in quick response, but I may still be rolling out my production offshore. What I'm really looking for is a combination if I can get it. That's what we've tried to do. It sort of sounds complicated. Well, it's uh it it's inapparent to someone who, again, most of these people have another job and they're really good at that thing, and they don't this is what we do. So I don't know that it's It's a balance. You have to kind of work through it. The biggest issue is that you have to manage expectations, so you need to establish that up front.
1: Now I'll ask you a question, which the answer is probably it depends. But but in terms of a product development cycle, you know, if I if I'm if I'm uh, thinking about a, a particular product, I for, if, if for example I've I've got this great idea for a new line of shirts, you know, uh, uh, how long do you, how long is that typically going to take me to develop? Uh, you know what's you know, sort of walk me through the development process. Am I am I, am I going to start to see samples in a month, in three months, in six months? And you know what's what's your thought process?
0: I actually brought one. <laughs> Again, we need TV here. So I, I brought a little cycle uh, of development. I think this was about eight months, nine months, and here's the product. You can see uh, it, they can't see, but you can see it's an orthotic sock. Okay? Orthotic so sock. I, okay. You and I've been in the sock business, and we would. Most people would think, what, that, how could that have taken eight months? What's the issue here? But there are a number of steps. So the answer is, there's probably, f- once you have CADs and, and tech packs, which whoa. itself. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa. whoa. CADs and tech packs? Oh, okay, sorry. I don't want to do that. Right. Let's, start, <laughs> let's start with, I have a vision. This right. is what I'm trying to accomplish. Here we go. So they, we would spend probably 30 days vetting the market. We want to understand where the positioning is going to be. Um, I don't know that everybody does that, but I have trouble unless I understand where's this going to be? where, What's the price point? Who's the consumer? What's the distribution? What's the competitive set? Now I understand it. Then then we, we kind of frame, we do what's called a product brief, typical in the business, uh, where, where you answer most of those questions. You try to get it on one piece of paper, which is, for me, hard to do. Uh, but y- y- you need to kind of get focus, and from there you would. Uh, what you do find is a lot of people have had their mother like sew the first one, right, or their girlfriend sew the first one together.
1: <laughs> I think that's a very sexist comment. But go ahead.
0: Well, it's it's funny, but <laughs> you, you know, I, actually, I do I do a lot of sewing on the okay. side. <laughs> You're probably right, so I, I, I'll I'll concede on that point. Okay. But you do find that somebody has this notion, and they get one made by somebody, mm-hmm. and they bring it in. And you know, it's a rough it's a rough idea. And from that, you say, okay, I'm going to go either if it's got an engineering component, I've got to get an engineering tech pack uh, technical uh, pack of uh, of of the requirements and some kind of CAD so that some kind of visual that I can show to a manufacturer. So from that phase, You know, you talked garment. We ought to be able to get a garment in in, uh, 30 days. Wow. All all things considered. We ought to be able to get that. If if we're not requiring unusual materials, fabric can be an issue. And that's offshore. Mm -hmm. You would like to do it in the country, and if you can do it in the country— You can do it faster if you can get into their schedule and temperament. Again, most U.S. manufacturers don't want to do it.
1: Uh, I I find your choice of temperament uh, being an interesting choice of words.
0: It's just not not a conducive environment in the United States. So I'm actually working with a company to set up a product development lab. That, that that's a request that came to us that we're beginning to work through that concept of can you set up a product development lab and service five or ten clients out there? Sounds like another good business opportunity. We're working Potential. on it. Working so, on it.
1: So ultimately, I I think you're trying to connect people to a uh, trustworthy sourcing partner. Uh, that uh, you know, and, and you mentioned that in certain times you might even have a, a backup partner for quick response but from a from a startup's perspective, when they're going through that search or working with you to go through that search what what sort of characteristics should they be looking for in a sourcing partner as as they move forward because you know i've I've heard horror stories I've lived through some of the horror yes. stories with some of the overseas sourcing where uh there used to be some of those bait-and-switch type things where the samples looked yes, great, yes, but uh, the production yes. did not always seem to match my samples.
0: Yes. So, you know, the number one issue is so obvious, but nobody would mention, is communication. You have to have—and let's face it, in the United States, our, most people in the United States don't speak Chinese very well. I know, some I don't yes. speak good English. <laughs> that, that, too, is true. But in China— they generally have someone who's learned how to speak reasonably good English. You've got to get connected. And I like to work with, uh, with a company that not only has a couple of people, but dedicate them sort of as their U.S. desk, if you will. And even better, if they put someone in the United States. So communication is actually the fundamental and most important thing. Now, once you get by that, you're good. But well, that's important. in Any business in any business, but in but this, it business, truly is. It, it, I mean, you, you're we, not going to accomplish anything without it. Yeah, we had
2: business in China. We ran through the same thing. And first thing we did is set up English-speaking people that understood our business.
0: That's exactly correct. So on a broad scale, you, you end up with a, a Shanghai office with about 50 people in it to to manage the, the, the piece. But in but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is that you want to just get something made to your spec. And so you've got to rely on, you know, I, I, I sit here as an intermediary. You don't necessarily have to use an intermediary. But if you're not, you're going to spend a lot of time. And the other issue you have to get used to is that you are uh, 13 hours apart, which means you lose a whole day if you're not responding at 5 and 6 o'clock in the morning to what they're writing to you at the end of the day. If you don't respond then another day goes by, and it's really easy to start losing days.
1: They, they don't manipulate their hours to, to cater to us?
0: No. You no? have to be awake when, and responding when they're no. talking.
1: Well, we're still working on making America great
0: again. We'll fix that's that. Right. Don't worry. That's good. So, uh, you know, I think, I think that's important. Uh, you talked about uh, how you maintain the quality. So. It's important that most of these projects coming to you, there's something new and different about them. Sometimes it's, I can make a less expensive version of what's out there. But generally, it's a whole new idea. And so you go to a supplier, and the supplier is trying to um, interpret this in the format of something they've already done. You don't want that to happen. You have to get them to understand, no, I'm not trying to get you to take my idea and sort of put it into a mold you already have. I That's need, a very good point, very I, I difficult. Need, very to difficult say. to get them out of that framework. Right. Uh, and, and I'll just give you a quick anecdote about this sock product, which, which, as you know from the industry, you were really going for supple, for hand, and for stretch and fit mm-hmm. and all those things. This is a, a sock with an orthotic pad built into it that is meant to be the exact opposite of what we talked about for 20 years in the business, stiff, hard, not flexible, non-stretch. And to get a knitter to understand, forget the 20 years that you've been doing it this way. I need you to do it this way. Uh, it's been uh, been an interesting experience to get that to happen. And it's literally taken about six months to get it to happen. And is that was that with an overseas manufacturer? At, overseas. Okay. Overseas. And, 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 again, you just have to sort of build in an expectation about the calendar because what's going to happen is after the prototype is made, there's, there's about takes about 7 to 10 days to get it to the United States. And so these time lags start building in. If you think about three or four rounds of development, there's over a month of dead air in there. You have to deal with that.
1: Any Any other uh, from from a product development startup perspective, other startup expense type issues that people should be building into their thought process as they as they contemplate developing their product
0: yes uh, in in the first phase I, I do I do think you have to work with someone whether it's an agent here or an agent in in China, you're going to work with somebody and probably pay them some kind of retainer to to make that happen. You're going to pay for samples. Uh, you may be paying for um, the component pieces. The supplier may not want to be out on the component pieces. They, th- so you may be supplying that. But I think also in the first phase, you need to be thinking, And I know you touch on this a lot, is uh, what protections you need for your idea. Patents, trademarks, websites, those kinds of things, to me, are all in that first phase. After you get that, in other words. You now have a product that looks pretty close. You haven't gone to market with it, but you have a product. Then you have to start thinking about, uh, about how you're going to capitalize the effort to get to production. And, and one way or the other, that's what inventory is the big issue. And, and, and production, logistics, QC, and then you're going to get to, okay, now I have to market it. I have to put a sales force out there. That's sort of phase three. So you have all those pieces.
2: You mentioned, it's always a concern, and it was when I was doing business over there, protection of the idea. Is that getting better than it was 10 years ago?
0: You know, I think it's getting uh, uh, better. But on the other hand, uh, I don't know that we know. Uh, you know, That's you a good you, you know, you try I to understand build understand that. In other words, you can know here. The, the, the U.S. is pretty good about that. There's a lot of times, as you know, when you bring products in the U.S. and they ask you to prove – you're able to bring this in the U.S. I think the U.S. is good about it. The question is, what's happening in other parts of the world that you're not you're not seeing, and and you know I don't know that we have those assurances.
1: Yeah. Well. Well, look, you you've given us some some pretty good uh, tools to be working with there, and, and thought process. If people want to find you and find your company, where should they be looking?
0: Well, in a, in a physical sense, uh, the custom design group is located uh, in. Uh, Actually, midway between Hickory High School and Lenore Ryan College on, uh, on 10th Avenue Drive.
1: That would be in Hickory, North Carolina. Hickory, North Carolina.
0: Okay. Otherwise, uh, our website is www.cdgbrands.com. And we have a Facebook site. And probably the easiest way is off the Facebook site. And um, can I give an email address? Does that work? Okay, sure. So sure. it's D-A-U-E-R at cdgbrands.com.
1: Okay. That's Doug Hour at CDG Brands or D Hour mm-hmm. at CDG Brands.com. So, Doug, uh, we uh, always enjoy working with you, enjoy talking with you. So, we very much appreciate you uh, joining us today. and, and Thank uh, you for having me. You know, and at some point, uh, we might need you to come back and help uh, explain more of this and show more of your products
2: to our audience. Look forward to okay. it. Okay. All right. Well, it reinforces what we always talk about, too people trying to go it alone with a new idea are going to be in trouble. They need people such as yourself and organizations to help them or they'll lose a lot of money before they get it. Well, you know, and, you know, and, and one, you know, one thing that Doug said, which is always good, is when
1: a, an entrepreneur keeps his day job, because as, 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 Doug, as you're talking here, this is not something that money is going to start floating from the heavens next yeah. month. It's a, it's a long-term process. So the more runway that people have to get started, the better off they are.
2: And so, you talk about managing expectations, yes. so that the entrepreneur understands that it isn't going to happen overnight.
1: Because they get excited, they do, and we like that. And, and and what we also like to do is highlight some of the small businesses that uh, we run into, and in, and in, you're the uh, master of the segue. Ah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's 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 my day. Are. It's my day. So anyway. Um, uh, you know, we uh, like to highlight some small businesses that we run into. And, and Doug, do you have anything that you'd like to uh, to share, any small business that uh, of, of note uh, that you'd like to give a shout-out to this week?
0: I'm going to give a shout-out to a big business this week called Duke Energy. Thank you for getting our power back. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate them. it.
1: We we did have some inclement weather earlier in the week and uh, and and Doug uh, was without power for a few days. Fortunately, he was able to shower before he joined us today. So we are we do thank
2: Duke Power for that. Indeed. I Duke like door. that. And What was your phrase? Because it took a little while to get your power, but I like that one. You don't scold the dog when Oh yeah yeah
0: right. don't beat the dog when he comes home. There don't you go. <laughs> All right. Cuz you do sure. have power
2: now. Yeah, just, for sure. Just took a few
1: days so but 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 Doug is grateful. Oh, absolutely. I'm I, very I, good. I'm sure Duke Energy has some clients that might not be as appreciative. So
2: uh so hang in there. So yeah. Gary, what is your uh, small business of the month? Well, thanks, Jeff. My small business of the month is one that it's a little bit out of my comfort zone which you will Understand in a few minutes. Uh, but I'm very excited about their business, and they're also a Catawba Valley Furniture Academy customer. And the business is Carolina Bines in Newton, North Carolina. It's owned by Twyla Dermot, Dennis Malcolm, and Michael Waltek. And they had a very special event last night where they brought a lot of people in and actually honored our uh, Furniture Academy students that built the furniture for their new facility. And it was a beautiful facility, it was really nice. I was glad I was, had a chance to stop by. And it is a hometown bar in Newton, North Carolina. That serves wonderful sorted wine, craft beer, and has great quality service. They also have a wine shop and serve nice plates of mixed cheese and meat. Uh, I liked it uh, very well designed, and uh, the atmosphere was great. It's a nice size where it's big enough to have a, a crowd of 50 people, uh, but then also you can go there just one-on-one or in a small group and have a good time. It's truly locally owned and operated, and you don't want to miss it. Uh, I liked uh, Twilo's comment. She said, we have a business that brings community. And um, I just think they're going to be really successful, and I hope so. And, of course, you're a connoisseur of fine wines and craft beers, so I expect to see you there in the near future, or you've already been there. I, I, I've,
1: I've been there several times. There you like you I, I drink to excess by myself there. you probably see me at the bar sometimes. So that is you. Yes, yeah. yes. So... Anyway, I, <laughs> yes, I have been there. So I and, and I. It was I, a great place. Yes, I, I, I yeah, I've enjoyed I really it. Like the so. people. Well, I've got a, I've got a sort of a, a, a an interesting business that I, I came across also this week, and it's, it's we're we're here in late October. It is almost Halloween, which appeals to my pagan side. So so my small business of the month is something that I ran into. It's the name of the business is called Ethereal Crack. It's a business started by a fellow named Tim Starnes, who is a playwright in Waxhaw, North Carolina, which is near Charlotte. And they provide ghost tours in about 20 small towns in North Carolina and South Carolina using tour guides to tell spooky tales that he has researched. Uh, during the day, he, Mr. Starnes is a financial executive for a nonprofit organization And he started his Walking Ghost Tour Company earlier this year, uh, doing tours in Waxhaw and Concord. He's now expanded to many small cities and towns around Charlotte, including here in our hometown of Hickory. He says he selected uh, cities around Charlotte fairly randomly, and he he goes out and he researches homicides and other crimes, and he writes scripts for his tour guides. There was a story in uh, a local Gastonia paper where he said, Essentially, we go online for these small towns and start digging up all these stories, find these truly grisly stories, he said. Sometimes the stories match up with whatever you're walking past, and sometimes they don't. We're kind of keeping oral tradition alive. Some of the stories are just these local ghost stories that are going to be forgotten because nobody writes them down. He says that the tours are about 20% history and 80% story, and says it's up to the customers to determine which is truth and which is fiction. Uh, For these stories that touch on ghosts, aliens, and Bigfoot, we're not out here to tell you what you should believe or not. It's up for you to decide, or up to you to decide. So his tours cost $15 per person, or there's a discount for groups of four. You can visit their website at etherealcrack.com. That's E-T-H-E-R-E-A-L crack dot com. Click on the ghost tours, and if you live in the Charlotte area, you'll see about 20 different cities pop up. From Hickory, Lincolnton, Waxhaw, Concord, Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, all sorts of little towns where they're doing ghost tours now. So, That's neat. So
2: My family loves ghost tours, well, wherever yeah. we go.
1: Well, there you go. You can get one here. and now you're now locally. You can hear about grizzly
2: homicides. Now have a new date night for wife. There you go. Wife.
1: You're quite the romantic. I am. I know. So if you've got a se- suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at e-exchange at TheMesh.tv so thank you for The Mesh thank you to The Mesh for hosting us we want to thanks uh, thank Doug Hour again with uh, Custom Design Group Business Solutions Division thank you jo- for joining us today you. you can visit uh, TheMesh.tv to see the whole network of Mesh podcasts and you can subscribe at the iTunes store thank you for listening we hope you have a great not too spooky Halloween
2: and we'll look forward to talking with you again in a month. Sounds great looking forward to it.